Welcome back to Practicing Catholic. After over 15 months of the COVID pandemic, we seem to be heading back to some semblance of normalcy. For some teachers and other educators, that means getting ready to go back to the classroom full-time for the first time in over a year. But it's not merely a return to what was, as at-home and virtual schooling, restricted social interaction, and many other factors have had an effect on our children. Here to talk about what some of those effects are and how we should address them is licensed psychologist and nationally certified school psychologist, Dr. Jules Nolan. Dr. Nolan, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. It's so good to have you with us. Let's start out, Dr. Nolan, with this. Uh, You are the operating partner of Phoenix School Counseling. Introduce us to that organization, if you would. Sure. Phoenix School Counseling is a private practice, psychology practice, that provides mental health people, school counselors, school psychologists, licensed alcohol and drug counselors, and other mental health professionals to private schools in the uh, Minneapolis Twin Cities area and greater Minnesota. And we, we operate and provide these services primarily to Catholic schools. Oh, fantastic. And I know that speaking of, of Catholic schools, you've worked with uh, Cisco, who should be familiar to many of our listeners, the Catholic School Center of Excellence, on resources for educators on how to handle trauma in the classroom, among other things. So I'm just curious, uh, as, this, as this pandemic has swept through and, and caused such sweeping changes in our, in our everyday lives, what types of behaviors have you been hearing about, specifically maybe as it relates to school students over this past year and a half that are maybe results of the pandemic? Yeah, well, lots of change this year, lots of change. And anytime you have change, especially when you have sustained and unpredictable change as this pandemic has been, you trigger that fight-flight response in the brains of not only children, but adults. Mm. And so whenever the flight-fight response is triggered, you can see some what we call trauma reactions. Uh, even though, even if a kid doesn't have like a big T trauma, like abuse or, or neglect or you know family disillusionment or something like that, Um, you can have a little T trauma, and that is exactly what this pandemic has caused. So when you see that, you can see big behaviors in classrooms. You can see an increase in in kids having uh, trouble paying attention, kids having trouble following the rules, even tantrums or fighting. Um, we see a lot more anxiety in the classroom right now mm. than we ever have before. And and frankly, that was true pre-pandemic. It used to be that ADHD was the most frequently diagnosed uh, disability in a classroom, and now it is an anxiety disorder. And that's across all ages. Wow. And uh, is it safe to say that the pandemic has then contributed to that trend, perhaps uh, maybe even uh, hastening that trend along the way? Yeah, absolutely. That's true. The pandemic has contributed to the trend. We see more anxious kids than ever before. However, there are a subset of kids that have done really well during even uh, remote learning because they already have some social anxiety. And so they have an easier time when they can be at home and be on cameras. Now, that's all well and good during the pandemic, but everybody has to go back to school. Right. And so one of the things that we're seeing as, as schools go back in person is kids who did pretty well during the pandemic because they have a social anxiety issue are having trouble going back to school. And even kids who don't, uh, just because it's brand new again, having trouble going back to school is a, is a common thing that I'm seeing. 
Okay, so with that being the case, what advice would you give to classroom teachers and other educators who are encountering these kids as they're coming back to in-person learning? Really great question. So what we talk to teachers about is that the kids need to feel safe. And when they feel safe in the classroom, they are able to learn. Kids who are in their fight-flight brain because everything is new again are not able to learn and sometimes will break the rules and sometimes will be what, what looks like disrespectful or sassy. And the truth is they need to feel safe. They need to feel relationship. They need to feel like they know you care about them. So the advice that I give to teachers is relationship first. You come in, you make sure every kid knows that you care deeply about them. Our Catholic schools, frankly, have a better time of this because we know that religion is a protective factor in mental health and being part of a community is a protective factor. And so anytime you have a school that builds community, that offers leadership opportunities for kids, especially those struggling kids, that finds a friend for a kid who has a hard time making friends, those schools do best. So always lead with relationship. That's great. That's great advice. And I'm also thinking uh, about parents, too, who may have observed some of these changes in their own children at home. Perhaps it's the same it's the same advice, but uh, there must be a little bit more, what should I say, liberty, perhaps, to do things in the home. Any specific advice for parents who are noticing that their children have struggled during this time of pandemic? Yeah, absolutely. It's important for parents to recognize that that the pandemic is an unusual situation that hopefully will never happen again in our lifetime. But parents tend to see whatever behavior is going on with a kid as a linear projection to what will become of them. And that's just not true. So if you have a kid who is lying to you or sassy or disrespectful or uh, avoiding schoolwork or getting in trouble at school, we tend to think, that that means that they will be a problem in their future, that they're destined to rob banks or get in trouble uh, (laughs) in in a a juvenile delinquency sort of way. And the truth is that just doesn't happen. Um, The way we reply or the way we respond to our children's behavior is a better predictor of what the outcomes will be than the whatever behavior they're doing now. So what I tell parents is do a lot of listening, help kids recognize the things that they're going through as a tough thing, but that they can do tough things. They can be afraid and be brave at the same time. As we move back into in-person learning, we see kids who are reluctant to go back to school. Even kids who loved school are reluctant to go back to school, and then parents start to think, oh, my kid has a social anxiety disorder. The truth is it's just new stuff again, and you can say, yeah, it seems hard right now, but it's going to be easy just like it used to be. You just have to take baby steps. Think about it like riding a bike. You know, you help your kid learn how to ride a bike, not by yelling at them or scolding them or punishing them if they get off balance, but by holding on to the back of the seat a little bit longer and encouraging them. And so as they're moving back into doing these things that make them nervous, we get more sure that they're going to be fine. So we have to start with ourselves. And then we just encourage them and say, yeah, I, I understand it's hard to go see your friends right now. Maybe you're having a, maybe you're afraid to go see your friends right now, but that won't always be true. You're going to get back right into the swing of it, just like you used to be. Just take baby steps. When you feel comfortable, go ahead and go in. 
I like that analogy of riding the bike. That's helpful. Thank you for that. And I'm also wondering, going back to the classroom teachers and the educators who may have been, they themselves have been, you know, doing life differently over the past, well, 16, 18 months or so in terms of getting virtual lessons together and presenting classes online, getting lessons together for parents and children to take home, that sort of thing. And as you already mentioned, some of the effects that this pandemic has had on children are also true, uh, or they have had those same effects on adults, on all of us uh, as well. So I'm wondering what advice you might give to, um, well, to parents, maybe to students themselves, to help support and ease that transition back into classroom full-time and in-person learning uh, for the teachers. Yeah. So teachers um, have just had this incredibly unpredictable year, and we often tell teachers, you know, well, <laughs> during the whole school year, we've told teachers, you know, pivot and be resilient and, right. and think about it out of the, outside the box and do it a new way. And all of that is, is well and good. But whenever you go through something that is as traumatic as this has been, you really need to reflect on it. So I am advising to educators this summer, spend some time reflecting on your year, not in a way to decide what you did right or wrong, but in a way to just absorb all of the things that you did that were hard, all of the trauma that you went through personally, and then take some time to get away from it, like spend some time whatever it is that makes you happy, whatever sort of hobby that you have that, that puts you into what uh, psychologists call flow, which is that, that um, brain state in which you can't, you don't even know how much time has gone by because you're so absorbed by this thing that you do. Um, get, get more of that into your life during the summer. That will help build the resilient part of your brain turn off as much as you can, seek pleasures, schedule pleasures as much as you can so that you uh, can build your brain back up and be ready for the, for the school year, but also just to take care of your mental health. I was uh, doing a little vacationing myself this last week, and I was astounded that every person that I met on vacation was either a teacher or a psychologist. <laughs> so already wow. we know how to do this. <laughs> we're, we're, we know that we need to take some time for ourselves. So reflect on the school year, take some time for yourselves, uh, reflect on the things that you did that really built resilience for you, and fortify yourself for the rest of the year, the, the upcoming school year, by taking care of your mental health first. And that always starts with sleep, eating, and movement. Mm, sleep, eating, and movement. All right, right there. And and vacationing is what I'm hearing you say. Um, Absolutely. And you would prescribe that for radio show hosts too, I assume. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> yes, excellent, wonderful. Well, I'm actually married to a Catholic school teacher, and she uh, has already been ready or getting her classroom ready for the upcoming school year and, and kids returning in that. And I promise I will I will have her take some time for herself as well over the course of this summer. And I'm wondering, too, if there's some wisdom in that whole idea of, um, you know, one of the best ways that we can uh, grow in love and gratitude and the practice of all the virtues is to live our life for others. That's a theme we return to frequently here on Practicing Catholic. And I'm wondering, Dr. Nolan, if there is uh, a thought about how maybe teachers, or excuse me, maybe students and their parents can think about ways that they can they can prepare something special for their teachers when fall school time rolls around uh, again. Would that be helpful? 
Yeah, absolutely that would be. We know that what makes people resilient, what makes people happiest, actually, the the positive psychologists do a lot of research on happiness, and uh, that is the practice of gratitude. And so I even, when I'm talking to little kids, I talk about the way that they pray. You know, I had a really wise Catholic school teacher say to her students one time, what if you woke up tomorrow with only those things that you thanked God for last night? What would you have? And so that was sort of a stark realization to everybody in the room that maybe I don't say thank you enough. And that practice of gratitude, even in uh, in the um, public schools, that practice of gratitude show helps kids' brains become more resilient. So gratitude, anytime you do it in prayer, so spend more time thanking than asking for. Anytime you do it to help other people, whenever we have somebody who's depressed, um, particularly or low mood or anxious, we have them do something for somebody else particularly if you see a kid who maybe has social anxiety. I'm afraid to go up to friends and make new friends. I don't know how to do that. And then you talk to them about, okay, you're going to walk into this school, you're going to walk into this gym, and you're going to see a kid in the corner who's looking around and feels scared. You can tell they feel scared by their look on their face. You go over to that kid and make them feel better. And whenever we do that, whenever we help other people, we automatically help ourselves. And so doing something, I think students doing something for teachers for the school year would be a marvelous way to practice brain resilience, in other words, uh, practicing gratitude. And then also whenever we thank somebody for the work that they do for us or for their roles in in our lives, we also give them shots of happy brain chemicals, Mm -hmm. which help them become inspired to do the job that they do. You know, one of the things that I saw was is truly lacking and has been truly lacking at the end of the school year is inspiration. Our kids feel uninspired and our teachers feel uninspired. So mm-hmm. seek out those things that inspire you, <clears throat> both for students and for teachers. All right. Great advice from Dr. Jules Nolan, a licensed psychologist and operating partner of Phoenix School of Counseling. Dr. Nolan, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. Thanks for all of your good advice. May God continue to bless you and your work. Thank you very much. It was my pleasure. All right. We're going to head into our next break, but don't go away. Right after this, we'll hear why even the urbanist of urbanites needs to honor the ruralist of countrymen. Jim Ennis and Tim Streifer with us from Catholic Rural Life. We'll be right back.